0: Hello, and thank you for tuning in to The Gathering Church, a place of grace. Sit back, relax, and listen in. I think of the Lord saying to us, I'm holding you in in my arms, no matter what it is going through. My child, it's okay. I have you in my arms. It may be tough now, but believe me, I really do have you in my arms. That's just, it was a powerful image to me. He's holding us, saying, no matter what, I have you. So be content in that, in knowing that I have you. Amen. Happy New Year to you. To those that have not seen since the year year started, Happy New Year to you. And um, I'm so thankful for the opportunity to share this um, talk that I'm going to have with you today. Um, On the First Start series. The First Start series. I don't know about you, but when I hear about freshness, it just brings out all positive energy, positive vibes. You think about fresh laundry, fresh fruits, fresh vegetables, it's all positive imagery, right? Advertisers use it all the time. It's all about the positive imagery that the freshness starts, freshness brings out. So today we're going to talk about fresh start as it relates to finances. And I hope you have positive thoughts about this one, (laughs) I hope, <laughs> I hope you have positive thoughts about this. one. Amen? Amen. Tell your neighbor we're going to have positive thoughts about finances. Amen. <laughs> Alright, so Father, we just thank you for this morning, Lord God, And we thank you for this opportunity to share your word, Father. Father, we pray, oh God, that we'll make sharing easy, Lord Jesus. And we pray, oh God, that we'll have Perceptive ears to hear your word. And at the end of the day, Lord God, we will be changed. We will be changed, Lord God. We will have positive vibes about our finances. And we will take positive steps, Lord God, according to your word, to make it better for all of us. Amen? Amen. So today we're going to talk about press time as it relates to our finances. If you're looking for a topic, I came up with something which is kind of an accord and quirkiness, I think it is what it's called, First Start, Dollars, and Cents. Okay? Fresh Start, Dollars, and Cents. Money finance is a very difficult topic to talk about because it's such a personal issue. We all view it differently based on the families that we grew up in and based on the family that we want to have. Children who grow up, for instance, in a wealthy family have a different view of money than kids who grow up in a middle class or a poor family. You know, kids who grow up in a, a wealthy family tend to see their parents they figure it, figuring out strategies on how to create wealth. While kids or kids or adults who grow up in um, middle class or poor families tend to grow up seeing their families trying to figure out how to make ends meet. And so guess what? That's how we grow up. We think only about how to make ends meet. And we focus most of our attention on making sure the bills are paid, and if there's any other extra cash, guess what we do? We figure out how to spend it so that we can, we're always in the spot of trying to figure out how to make ends meet. But that's, that's, that's essentially what happens. Men view of money matters different from how female view of money, money matters. As a matter of fact, my wife, she likes to buy nice handbags, nice shoes, nice clothes. She likes to spend a lot of money on nice clothes and things for the kids. Well, I really don't care about that stuff. I really don't, but guess what I care about? I care about a 55 inch LED TV. I do care about that. I do care about, at some point I wanna buy a BMW X5 or a Mercedes Benz. Now that is what I care about. But guess what happens? Sometimes as men, we first thing we think about, the women are always spending, they are the ones who are spending all the money. But guess what? Sometimes we make one big buy. One big buy to buy that big TV or that iPad And guess what? That wipes out everything that she spent over a year. In one flash. In one go. Amen? That is what happens sometimes. Believe it or not, it happens. Adults also have a different view of money. And how they manage their money from younger people. Teenagers, young adults. Adults are very conservative with their money. They don't want to lose it. Teenagers and young adults, they tend to want to take risks. They say they're risk-averse. They want to take risks with their money. They want to either win big. I guess what? They lose big. But adults are more conservative, and that's because even with with their retirement planning, they will always tell you, you know, if you're younger, you can take more chances. But as a result, we all view money differently. Money is valued differently by each individual. Some of us value money as a security, and so we are savers. Everything that we earn, we do what? We save it because it's our security. While others use money to make them feel good. And they use money, they do that by spending it. As they get it, they spend it. They have itchy pockets. As they get it, they are like, oh my God, what can I buy? What can I buy? What's new? And they have to spend it. That's how they value money. They have to spend it in order to enjoy it. So it should be no surprise to you then. Because of the diversity of views about money that we as individuals and families face, that the primary reason for conflict in marriages that leads to divorce is conflict over finances. As a matter of fact, in a study that was done recently, it says that 39% of marriages or couples in marriages say finances, conflict over finances, is the primary reason for them having issues in their marriage. That's almost 4 out of every 10 marriage. Okay, Of the remaining 60% of people who remain, couples that remain, 54% of them said this. Finance, arguments about finances is the primary reason for them to have arguments and conflicts in their marriage. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. And guess what? We, we, we don't want to confront it. As a matter of fact, another study says the last thing couples want to talk about is finances. They will talk about every other problem except talking about finances. Nobody wants to confront that issue. But trust me, we cannot avoid it anymore. Because it is causing us, our families, to be torn apart. It's causing a high divorce rate in America. At the end of today, I want to accomplish two things. I want to share with you three three primary reasons why I think we face financial difficulties. Why we face financial stress in our families, in our household. And then I want to do something a little bit different. I want to give you about five practical solutions. Five practical solutions to having financial freedom five five steps that you can take tomorrow, today when you go home this evening, you can start doing these things and it will lead you to financial freedom Amen? Are you good to go? Alright, let's go The primary reason why we enter, have financial pressures sometimes is we have too much debt It's not going to be a hallelujah preaching today, okay? It's going to be, we're going to face some realities in here today. Hey Amen. It's going to be, we're going to face some realities in here today. <laughs> the primary reason why we face financial problems, one of the main reasons is we have too much debt. In financial terms, they would say you are highly leveraged. If the company, they would say you are highly leveraged. That, all that means is you are highly indebted. You owe too many people and you cannot pay it back. That's a big problem. When I came here six six years ago, I was told, you cannot survive in this country without having credit. That's what I was told. That, to some extent, is true. But I will say this. I will say, you cannot survive in this country without managing your credit. If you don't manage your credit, there is no way you can survive in this country. As a matter of fact, there is no way you can survive as an individual or as a family if you don't manage your credit properly. Listen, if you don't manage it, soon, guess what's going to happen? The credit card companies are going to be calling you. And they call and they call and they never stop calling. Guess what next? It's the debt collectors who are calling. They call and they call and they call and they call. And guess what next? You begin to worry. I can't have people come over during the days. Guess what? The credit card companies are going to be calling. And guess what? I can't answer the phone. And the next thing you do is you're forced to lie sometimes because you're going to say, oh, it's the telemarketers. And you know it's not the telemarketers. It's the debt collector's calling to collect their debt. You see, gatherers, your credit speaks to your credibility. Your credit speaks to your credibility. Are you trustworthy? Can someone give you something and say, give it back to me at X date and you do it? Can you? It speaks to your credibility. Do you keep your word? That's what your credit says about you. When you go to Macy's and you take their nice clothes and you wear it, And you promise them that you're going to pay them in a month. Do you pay them in a month? As a matter of fact, do you pay them in a year? No. It's a matter of the heart. We can't hide behind the fact that we don't see someone in front of us. As a matter of fact, I I always say this to my wife. When you buy stuff on credit, and I, I always say this. It's like going next door to Meredith, who's our neighbor, and say, Meredith, I need a hundred bucks to go to the supermarket. Or better yet, I need fifty dollars to buy me some dinner. And Meredith says, Here doing, go and buy it. When you buy stuff on your credit cards, that's exactly what you done you have done. The only thing is you don't see Meredith. There is a bank between you and Meredith. All banks do is Collect your sa- someone's saving, lend it out to someone else in the form of credit. So, if you don't want to go to your neighbor and borrow money from them to go to the supermarket, or better yet, to go to the restaurant, I think it's time for us to stop using credit cards to do those things. It's time for us to use the cash in our pockets, the debit cards that we have, and if we don't have it, we don't have it. We use what we have and that's where we stop. Amen? It's time to stop living above what it means by using credit as a camouflage. It is not right. Amen? Amen. I told you going to be no, there's no big amen today. The Bible, <laughs> the Bible says in Proverbs 22.7 The rich rule over the poor. And the borrower is the servant to the lender. The problem is we are always borrowing. We are always borrowing. Listen, I have the same issues. And I'm pretty sure most of us here have the same issues. We find it so easy to take out a credit card and swipe it. It's easy to do. But it's hard to pay back. And the banks are so smart. All they do is gives you a limit, gives you a limit. When you max it out, they give, you, they, say, they give you a thing called minimum payment. Do you know what that is? All the bank does with the minimum payment is collect their interest. And they keep what you owe there still. That is why if you have a small balance as a thousand bucks, it can take you 14 years to pay it off if you pay minimum payments alone if you fall into the trap you will be paying the bank interest every single month on something that most times you really didn't need actually you really didn't need it so I think we have to stop accumulating debt this year I think 2012 is the year that we have to stop accumulating debt for our children's sake for our family's sake for our marriage's sake We have to stop it. And if we're going to have a first start of 2012, I am admonishing you to stop the debt collection. Stop borrowing money and accumulating debt. It's time to do the reverse. Amen? It's time to pay down debt and start thinking about how to create wealth for our families. Amen? Amen. So that's the first one. The second one I think why we have so much stress in our families and our marriages about finances is that we don't save. We don't save. A couple years ago when I was in college, in my last lecture, I had a lecturer who was, you know, she was not really the friendly type. She's not going to see you and say hi. You know. But in our last lecture, she said to us, students, I'm going to give you one advice for you to survive out there in the real world. And she said to me, she said to us in the lecture hall, save 5% of your total income every month. Save 5% of your total income every month. And I said, you know, yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, that sounds good. Something I should probably do when I, when I start working, right? Yep. Yep, I like that idea. She gave us some numbers. She's like, if you save 5% of your income per month, when you retire, you would have had millions of dollars accumulated when compounded with interest and all. I, I mean, I was blown away. I was motivated. Yes, I'm going to do it. And I got my job. I got my job right out of college. I didn't, you know, I stopped college like the 30th of June. I started working the 2nd of July, the 3rd of July. Didn't get a break. Got a job instantly. I did not take the advice. Let me trust trust me. You know, I, I had all the excuses in the world. I have student loans. I have. I just started have a new apartment. You know, just all the excuses in the world not to save. It. Name it, I had it. I got the reality check though five years later when I quit my job at the time. And my friend, who was, um, my friend at the time, who is now my wife, um. She she quit the job before and she came back, so she spent about two and a half years. And I, when I left the firm, I was saving probably three percent per year of my salary. I got probably about hundred grand, hundred and something grand. And she, who was saving probably ten or fifteen percent at the time, she got over three hundred thousand dollars. I was up, I was talk about upset, I was mad, I was like. How could I make this happen to me? How could I not save? I had other reasons, yes. But guess what? I could have caught something of my budget at the time to make it work. I could not believe that in two and a half years she would have accumulated so much money and over five years I got so much less than what she had accumulated. You see, You cannot afford not to save for your future. Sometimes we tell ourselves, we can't save because this and because that. But You cannot afford not to save. Some of us are a paycheck away from bankruptcy. I hate to say it. If we get a call today and say, listen, you have no job because we're downsizing, we will be in a panic because we're going to say, rent cannot be paid, mortgage cannot be paid, nothing can happen. And it's because we are not saving. We tell ourselves that we have to spend every cent that we earn. And we don't. It's time for us to really stop that. One of the most heartbreaking things to me is to see an older person. Someone in their 60s or 70s. Still working in order to make ends meet. And I say to myself all the time. Why on earth are they working? Why is it that a lady, when I was in college, who was close to 70, was still there every day? Because she said, if she stopped working, they're going to throw her out of her house. She could not pay the rent. But guess what? The scary thing is, a couple of years from now, if we're not careful, we're the same ones doing the same thing. If we don't start saving at this point, no 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 not tomorrow, today, starting today, this month with our salaries, with what we earn, with what the Lord has blessed us with. A couple of years from now, we will be in the same position where we it's time to retire. And all that we can depend on is social security. And guess what? That can be but cover the rent. So, what do you eat? How do you survive? No more vacations. We have to start saving. Amen? The scripture also tells us that ants are good examples of creatures that actively save or store up for the future. Proverbs 30, 24 to 25 says, Four things on earth are small, yet they are extremely wise. Ants are the creatures of very little strength, yet they store up their food in the summer. It's interesting how we can learn wise principles from one of the smallest creatures on earth. Yet, with ants, savings seems to be built into their genetic structure. We too must make savings become so common, little thought has to be put into it. We should make savings such a part of our being that it is not even a point for discussion. It just happens. We just make it happen naturally. It has to become a natural act of discipline in making, in managing money. Proverbs twenty one eight also says, "In the house of the wise are stores of choice foods and oil, but a foolish man devours all he has." Do you ever feel like you devour all that you earn, like you know? You get paid on the first, and on the fifth, you're like, When is the fifteenth coming? It's, it's, listen, I'm getting it just as you're getting it. Okay? We go through the same issues. One of the best ways we can overcome this issue is to make sure that we pay ourselves first. I'm going to talk about, a little bit about that later on. But talk about how we pay ourselves first. But other us, we have to start saving, starting this pay period. Amen? Amen? Is that a commitment? Amen. The third thing, I've told the reason why I think we don't, we have financial issues, is a lack of giving. A lack of giving in our life. Now this one is a very difficult one because guess what? No one likes to talk in church you need to pay tithe. No one wants to say pay tithe. And we don't really like to talk about those things, right? But the Bible says in Acts 20, 20, 35 in everything I did I showed you that by by this kind of hard work we must help the weak. Remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said it is more blessed to give than to receive. I don't know about you, but when I give, I feel more blessed. I feel more fulfilled. I feel as if my life has a little bit more purpose than just always receiving, receiving, receiving. It's more blessed to give. And I can't tell you, I can't tell you how much testimonies, I can tell you, of God's goodness and His mercies towards us as a family. When we give, it's not every time that you give, you have it to give. Let me put it out there. You don't give because you have. You give because you feel like it's a calling from God for you to give to people who you think are less fortunate. I just give because you just want to bless somebody else. It's okay to just want to see Sister Yolanda and say, I want to bless Sister Yolanda, you know. It's okay. It's okay for us to see each other and say, listen, I feel like I should bless Pastor Edgar this week. Our best brother, Duwey, this week. Amen? <laughs> I'll take it, okay? When you give it to me, guess what? The Lord going to bless you even more. Amen? Amen? <laughs> but, but But we have to get into a mindset where we are looking for opportunities to give Amen? We have to look for opportunities to give. And to not only give money, okay? I'm not talking about money. Even encouraging word to somebody. How many times you can be at work and you see somebody, you can see that they're in pain, torn up because something is just wrong. And you find it hard to go to the man and say, listen. And he may be going to something. But guess what? You may not believe it, but guess what? Jesus loves you. And guess what? Not all the time they will appreciate it, you know. But at some point in their lives, they will come to recognize that Jesus really loves them. So sometimes we can give an encouraging word to somebody. And that might mean more to them than a hundred bucks. A hug sometimes heals a lot of wounds and pains. We can give a hug. That is free. Amen? That is free. We can give that. Give a smile. Give a smile and say good morning to you. How was your weekend? There is a hurting world out there. And there is a lot that we have to give as Christians that does not include money. That we should make an effort to give. Amen. Amen? Amen. Um you know one one of the other things that we, we talk about when he's talk about giving is, is tithing. And I must admit to you, this one for me was a big struggle for a number of years before I got saved in that area. Okay? I got converted in my financial situation. I was saved, I was under the blood. But guess what? My money was not converted. Amen? If you look at Nicodemus, when he got saved, not Nicodemus, Zacchaeus, Or is Nicodemus? Nicodemus, the tax collector. When he got saved, he got, Zacchaeus, right? Zacchaeus. When he got saved, he got saved, right? His soul got saved. But guess what he realized next? He needed to fix his money problems. He needed to give back some of the money that he had stolen. That was me. I was saved, yes. But guess what? I was eating the tithe. I had had all the reasons in the world. I'm going to be honest with you. I, I said, listen, I have debt. I have student loans. The Bible, if you have, the Bible says if you have debt, pay your debt first before you pay any tithe. And I deduced all the reasons in the word. It's not in the New Testament, so I don't need to pay tithe. But guess what the Bible says? All that you have is his now. Exactly. It's not 10% anymore. It's all, of it. all that you have is his. So I struggled with it for years. I struggled with it. But guess what? I, I got saved in that year. I joined a group. I joined a discipleship group, and one of the first questions the leader asked me, he said, "Are you a tither?" You know, I might have. I think I might have said sometimes. You know, sometimes. I didn't really say no. I think I said sometimes. I'm being honest. I'm being delivered, okay? I said sometimes, and he said, "You need to be a tither because if you're not, you're eating your blessings." I started to tithe. Within a year, okay, I had a five-year car note. The Lord waked me up in a in the night, three a.m. in the morning. Says, "Tomorrow, go to the bank, refinance it." Never done it in my life. Went to the bank. I said, "I want. I'm here to, talk, um, to find out about refinancing." They said, "Yes? Oh, yeah, it's not a problem. Come in." I refinanced from a five-year car note, a one-year car note. I paid it off in a year. I paid off my student loans. Every single bit. I got a thing fully paid. Everything was paid off. The Lord just worked. I mean, I tell you, miracles. I mean, miracles. He will just get money. He was like, oh, we're going to give you a bonus this year, Mr. Robinson." I moved from a job. The Lord moved from one job to another job. I got a 60% increase. I stayed three months. He gave me a new job. Double the first job. Listen. There is no doubt in my mind. There is nothing in my being that tells me that tithing is not a way for God to bless you. Nothing. I mean, I I can tell you stories upon stories about what tithing has done in my life. But guess what? For some reason, for some reason, the devil still trips us up. All the time. Trips me up too. The minute that you start to take your mind, or 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 take your your, your thoughts, and your desires of what the Lord says in His Word, and you start to put it on, I need to figure this out myself. That's when the tripping up starts. That's when it starts. That's when you say, I have to pay the rent first. I have to pay the mortgage first. I have to pay sage daycare bill first. I have to pay the rent first. I have to pay P S and G. Otherwise, they're going to cut off the light. I have to do this first. And guess what? We do that first. And then at the end of the day, there is nothing left for the tithe. And guess what? Then we say, oops, no tide this month. Next month, I will catch up. Never happens. Never happens never will never will it's a die is a life from the pit of hell the devil has been trying to steal your blessings my blessings and i think this year 2012 we have to stop it we have to i'm exposing it today we have to stop it we have to take our blessings the lord says in in the book of malachi 310 bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. The whole. Not 50%. He says the whole time. But watch this. He says that there may be food. In my house. But this is what he says next. This is what he says next. Which blows my mind. He says test me in this. Test me in this. Can you imagine. Our God Almighty is saying to you. As he's saying to me, test me in this. Take the tithes to this storehouse. Take it to my house and just test me and see. If you think you are bad, just take it and see if I will bless you. Just take the tithe in. Take it in and see if I won't bless you. Say the Lord God Almighty and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessings. That there may not be room enough to store it. How many of us need to have that storehouse full? Huh? Some of us are just still struggling from like paycheck to paycheck. And the Lord is saying, Just take the tithe come now. Just take the tithe to me. Just take it to me. I bet you, I bet you do it. I bet you Olu. I bet you Alverna. Just take the tithe first to me and see if I won't bless you. Take the tithe first and the next 90%. I will stretch it to make it 150%. But just take the tithe first. That's all I'm saying to your son, daughter. Bring me the tithe first. And just test me. Test me. Tell your neighbor, test me. Just test me. Just test me and see if I will not bless you. He's saying to us, if you really want to be blessed in this life, if you really want to lose all of that stress about finances, just take the tithe to me and see if I won't bless you. Listen, I do it, all of us do it in here sometimes. All the Lord is saying to us is, don't take matters into your own hands. Okay? I have I have laid out that plan already for you. Of how I want to bless you. But I also have one stipulation, one condition. So let's just do what he says and bring the tithe to him first. Amen? Amen. 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 Alright, you should be fired up. No, you should be fired up because we're going to bring the tithe Come. We're going to say what? Lord, I am testing you. Amen? Lord, I am testing you. I'm doing what you say. Here's the tithe. But you know what the beauty about that is? When you get in financial troubles, if you pay your tithe, I don't know if you can do it, but I know I do it sometimes. I say, I have paid my tithe. So... I have paid my tithe so it's up to you now Lord. It's up to you now it's your time. You said pay it and test me. It's your time. Fix it. Fix it. Fix it. Amen. Amen. All right. Good. 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 All right. So, so those are the three things that I think why we have financial issues. Too much debt. We don't um we don't save and we're just lack of giving. Lack of giving. So let me talk about some practical things that you can do. And I can do now to make sure that we are financially stable. The first practical solution to financial freedom, in my humble opinion, is you have to confront the monster in the room or the elephant in the room. You have to confront the elephant in the room. You cannot fix a problem you don't know exists. Go to annualcreditreport.com and print out your credit report. No one likes to look at it because you're f- afraid of what you might see. But print out the credit report and see what is on your credit report. If you don't agree with what's on your credit report, you can dispute it. Okay? Now that's something I learned of recently. That you, and again, this is the beauty of it. Alright, you have to be honest, okay? But I'm going to tell you how it works. (laughs) When you dispute a claim, sometimes it costs them so much to research it, to prove that you actually either wasn't late or didn't owe the money. Guess what they do? (laughs) They just write it off. They just take it off. I'm not saying if you owe 10 grand, right? and student loans that you should go and dispute it. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> no, they're not going to take it off, okay? What I'm saying, if you go on there and you see stuff on there that you know, you weren't late for that bill, or, you know, it's an amount that was probably paid off, then they started to charge you interest and late fees, and it accumulates. Those you can dispute. Dispute them. I've done it. I'm being honest with you. I went on a medical bill that, you know, had issues with the medical I got it from insurance company. And they said, you know, they billed you too much. Don't pay anymore. And they constantly harassed me. And I said, listen, don't call me back. I am not paying a cent. They put it on it, on, it, on my report. I disputed. They came back and they say, no records to support it. So they drafted it. But make sure you go on there and look and see what's in your credit report. Because that affects your credibility. If you go on your credit report and you see a score of five stuff or four stuff, Come on, you need to figure out what is on there that's not supposed to be on there. Amen? So you have to face it. Next thing you have to do is you have to make a list of everything that you owe. Make a list of everything that you owe. In order for you to figure out how you are going to pay down. Amen? Make a list of everything you owe. A couple years ago, um, I'm going to tell this story because Sister Betty always talks about it. I want to repeat it. A couple of years ago, Sister Betty came to me and she said, "Brother Dwayne, I want to talk to you about something." And I was like, "Really?" I think you can help me. I'm like, Mm. I don't know if I can help you, Sister Betty. And she said, "Yeah, it's some financial issues." And you know, she explained to me that you know she was having financial difficulties. She had too much debt, and she wanted to get over, get out of debt. So I said, "All right, Sister Betty. First thing I think you should do is make a list of everything that you owe." and a list of the amount of income that you earn, and take it to me next Sunday. Now, I'm being honest with you. I did not expect her to do it. I did not expect her to do it. Because most times, people don't like to take the first step. People don't like taking first steps. They they want to get out of debt. But guess what? They don't want to take the first step. So I said, make the list, show me your income, and come back to me. To my surprise... Next Sunday, she had the list. She was like, Brother do I have the list. Like, wow, she actually did it. So we sat down and we went through it. And we said, alright, you know, you need to cut this. You know, I remember this part vividly. I said, Sister Betty, you need no more shopping at Saks Avenue. No more at Lord and Taylor. These dresses that you have on are beautiful, okay? You're going to keep these and you're not going to buy no more until you're out of debt, and she make the list. You know, we talk about how she's gonna pay down the only high interest paying, uh, high interest um, debts first. So that you know, that's something that you should always bear in mind if you have debt. Pay down the ones that have a high interest first, because those accumulate and they take almost a lot of your cash. But well, we talk about that, and you know, she, we went on a strategy. She would pay them down, and she would come to me and she say, "Brother, I, I paid this one down, I paid that down, I only have that left," and the story so goes on. Uh, but I was so encouraged by what she was doing. This year, last fall, I went to Atlanta. And I, I was there for a conference. And I called Sister Betty. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm in the area, so let me call Sister Betty. I called her. She said, my son, you're here. I was like, yes, yeah, Sister Betty. you know, I'm, I'm in Atlanta. I didn't really want to bother you. I don't know how far you live from here. She's like, yeah. Well, my son, if you didn't call me, I would drive to New Jersey. And I would give you a spanking and go back home. <laughs> And she said, I'm going to come and pick you up. So that same afternoon, she came and she picked me up. And she said, I'm going to take you to my home. Yes. She paid off her debt. And she got her credit score up enough to get a mortgage to buy a beautiful home. When I say a beautiful home, I mean a beautiful home. I mean a beautiful home. A beautiful home. She said, this room is for when you come with the kids, this room is for Alverna and Pastor, and this is for Edgar and Debbie. So you all should come. All I want all of you to come down to see my home. She had a big backyard, you know, she had a drive-in garage, she just pressed a button, it goes up, drive in. i was like, whoa, Sister Betty, this is it. But guess what? Sister Betty was in her 60s. It's not too late for anybody. It's not. Too late for you. It's not too late for me. But guess what it takes? It takes discipline and a commitment to do it. It is not easy, you know. I'm not telling you that this is easy. Okay? It is not. But you can't afford not to do it. You have to do it. Make a list of what you owe and systematically try to cut your budget the fluff that you have in there, you don't need it. Okay, Let's be honest. You don't need it. You don't need to go to Bloomingdale's all the time. Or Macy's all the time. Or you don't have to eat out all the time. You don't have to take three vacations per year. You can take one. Okay? You really don't have to. You don't have to take so much trips. You don't have to. You know, you might have to you might need to get an LED TV every now and then, but <laughs> let's get away from that, one. <laughs> you might have to go and watch a Giants game, right, Brother Willie? Every now and then. Yeah. Listen, I'm not telling you to, to starve yourself, right? I'm not telling you to not to indulge yourself. I'm saying you have to be careful. Because we are, in essence, mortgaging our future for instant pleasure. We have to stop. It has to stop. The madness has to stop. I was going to name this sermon um, First Start, Stop the Madness. Because it's actually madness. It really is. I'm serious. It's madness. Right. secondly, so the first one is you have to confront the monster, right? Make a list of what you owe, check your credit report, do all that stuff. Second one is you have to do the math, right? Do the math. What does that mean? It means I want you to go back, and this is something I, I came across when I was preparing for this. Go back last look at last year's activity in your bank account. Right? Look at what you spend your money on. Like seriously, look at what you spend your money on for the year. It won't take you too long to do it, but download your, your bank account from ex- in Excel. Most banks can allow you to do that. January first with twelve thirty one and look on each item and see what are you spending your money on? Listen, I started to do that a couple of nights ago. I was so mad. I was I was like, I like listen, I, I do most of the I go out most of the times to get like Target and Hacking Submarket and those things. And I look on the bills, and I'm just like, what? Why am I spending so much money at Target? Why am I giving my money to Target? I can some market what? Costco? I mean, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dollars on food. Amen? Listen, I am telling you, you know, the studies say that 40% of what we buy, we throw away. 40%. Guess what we are doing? 40% of what we spend is useless. We are throwing the money away. 40% of what we spend is on waste. It's on wants, not needs. Just waste. I can't tell you how much stuff we throw out. And I'm sure it's in the same thing in your house. You just throw out stuff. You're like, ah, I didn't really want that. I'm going to say something here. Even when you buy shoes... Or, my wife looks up same time. (laughs) Like, you buy the shoes and you just put them down. And guess what? You wear them once and you're like, "Mm, I didn't really like that. Or, guess what? I don't have an outfit to go with that shoes. So, guess what I have to do? Get an outfit to go with the shoes? I guess what? Don't wear the shoes. But we just... We just don't think about those things when we're spending our money. We have to do the math. We have to do the math. We have to look at what we're spending our money on. The next thing you have to do is calculate your net worth. Okay? How much do you worth? You have been working for X amount of years. How much do you worth? you earn X amount of dollars a month. How much do you worth? You look at your assets, the things that you have that you can sell for cash. You look at your liabilities. Network is assets less liabilities, right? Assets is what you earn, what you have, what you own which you can convert to cash. Your liabilities is what you owe. You know, your Mesa's card, your um, Visa card, MasterCard, credit cards, you know, the amount that you owe to cousin Jill, the amount you owe to your uncle John, the amount you owe that you owe to grandma, add all of those together. Take it and see how much you're worth in financial terms. It doesn't define you, right? But it, it tells you what it is that you're, you're worth in financial terms. Don't be surprised if it's a negative number. That's okay. It's okay if it's a negative number. Most people will find it that it's a negative number because we don't really think about those things. That's what the rich think about. Okay? They think about how much they're worth. That's a big thing for them, their net worth. As a matter of fact, the, the way our work now is we, we take investors and for you to be an investor with us, you have to have a net worth of more than a million bucks. Okay, but that's what the rich talk about—your net worth. We we really don't know what that term means. But guess what? We can start today to figure out what our net worth is and start to build our net worth. You build your net worth by either two things: by inc- increasing your assets, you know, increasing your savings, increasing your investments, or reducing your liabilities, reducing the amount of debt that you have, so that you can increase your net worth. Amen. So that's the big deal. Make sure you, 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 you pay attention to the numbers. The next step is my favorite step. It is my 10-10-10 plan. Say so it's a 10-10-10 plan. It's not a 9-9-9 plan like Herman Cain. It's a 10-10-10 plan. Amen? And it's very simple. Very, very simple. It says you're going to give the first 10% to the Lord. Amen? Amen? We're going to rearrange our finances today. That's what we're doing. You're giving the first 10% to the Lord and say... Lord, I'm giving you this 10%. I guess what you're going to do. Test me. He said, test me. So we're going to test him. Give him the 10% first. The next 10%, you're going to save. You're going to save that 10% for Mr. Rainy Day. As you would say in Jamaica. I hope we say here too. 10% is for savings. It's for your emergency fund. It's for your, what we call, you should have six months off your expenses in saving. You should have it. You won't have it overnight, right? It might take you a year or two to get there, but we need to start. We have to start. We have to stop the madness. So the 10%, first 10% is tied, second 10% savings. And this one is one that I I add, just because I think it's important. It's 10% for your retirement. 10% in your retirement account. So you can go to any bank and get a retirement account, IRA account. Or you can, um, if, you have a, if your employer has one, it's important for you to get get in there. Most employers will give you 50% of the first 6% that you contribute. That's free money that most of us kind of ignore. You have to get it. You have to get the, empl- the employer's money. It's free money, so you need to take it. Amen? So 10% in the Lord, 10% emergency savings, 10% Uh, Retirement, and then the next 70%, that is what you're going to use now to do your budget. So you're going to only budget for that 70%. You're going to budget for that 70%. So I know you have to budget based on what your family needs. Okay? Not what you want. It's on the needs. Budget Budget on the needs so that you can... um, get out of, um, of debt. I know it's difficult, right? Especially with the budget. So I think, you know, what we have done and what I've seen most people do is put in safeguards to prevent us from overspending. One safeguard that I like is be accountable to each other, especially husbands and wives, right? So this is one that I like. Mm, you know, it can cause conflict, but it works. This is where you say to your spouse, we as a family decide that if we are going to spend more than X dollars, $50, $100, bucks, $200, bucks, whatever works for you, give me a call. Give me a call first before you spend it. Listen, if we do it in our family, 99% of the time, it's going to be a no. 99% of the time, it's a no you know why because most times we don't want it we you, you you don't want it and so you don't need to spend it but when you call and start to talk about it most times both of you will agree yeah i really didn't need that actually yeah i was just boasting it off you you know yeah you don't want to feel like oh you're trying to blow the family's money right <laughs> The husbands, call your wife and say, listen, I want to buy a new phone. What do you think? How much is it? 200 bucks. No. What's wrong with your new phone, your current phone? Nothing? Okay, so. You don't need it. I'm telling you, it works. It works ninety-nine percent of the time. It works because everybody is accountable to each other and everybody, I don't know, for you, for us, it works because well, my wife knows that I, I always call. I'm I mean, being honest. I always call because I, I am kind of a maniac when it comes to spending money. So I call her and I ask her, what do you think? Sometimes she'll say yes can spend it. And then I will think about it. Then I'm just like, yeah, I'm not going to do it. Yeah, I'm just not going to bother. people that to spend so much money. But call each other and talk about it. Talk about it. It's important for you Make sure that you have these discussions, so that you know you don't end up in financial stress. Or one, or the husband is thinking, my wife is spending all the money, so I earn it, so she spends it. Or the husband, or the wife is thinking, my husband spends all the money. Everything we earn, he just spends. He's just like a (laughs) he is a Spender. he just spender. He does want so there is money, and he's spending. So be accountable to each other. Amen? Finally, in order for us to experience financial freedom, we have to recognize God is the ultimate provider. If we honor him, he will provide for us. Based on what has gone on over the past three to four years with the recession, we know for sure that we cannot in any way put our trust in the economy, in the government, in our jobs, our, our bank accounts. We cannot put our trust in them. Jesus is our only sure foundation. He is the supplier of our needs. First, Philippians 4.19 says, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Jesus Christ. We have to deliberately bring our finances to the Lord in prayer. Not sometimes, but every day. We have to say, Lord, give me wisdom on how to deal with money. Lord, ask him for strategy on how to make sense of what you have. Ask him for guidance on how to create wealth and live a life of abundance that the Lord has in store for us. His desire is that me, you, all of us in here should prosper. That's his desire for all of us. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven says, For I know I the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and to, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Believe me, gather us. The Lord wants the best for all of us. Not only spiritually where we can sing praises to him and shout hallelujah and speak in tongues but in our finances too, in our money matters, the Lord wants the best for us and he has the provision for us we just have to apply the principles that he has asked us to nothing that i have said here today is easy as i said before i believe though with god's help we can conquer debt we can build our savings and we can become faithful in our giving let's make a fresh start with our dollars and cents in 2012. Let's lay the foundation to create wealth in the years to come and live the life that the Lord desires for us as described by the prophet Jeremiah. Do you believe he can do it? Do you believe he can? I believe he can. God bless you. Father, we thank you, Lord God, for this time of sharing Lord Jesus. We thank you for this opportunity, Lord God, to really confront the elephant in our closet Lord God. That of finances Lord Jesus. Father we just thank you for what you had to say to us Lord Jesus. And we pray specifically for our married couples Lord God. Who sometimes it's just so difficult for us. To talk about it because we get offended. We get upset about it Lord God. It's just difficult. From personal experience Lord it's difficult. To talk about money. But Lord just give us the, the courage Lord Jesus. The temperance Lord God to deal with this issue. Over the next year Lord Jesus. As we purpose, now, Lord God, at 2012, we are going to get our first start in our money, Lord Jesus. We have to, Jesus. We, we need you, Lord God, to guide us in, in, in these matters, Lord Jesus. Father, help us as families, Lord God, to be closer together. Oh God, help us to see eye to eye, Lord God, on these matters, Lord Jesus. Help us not to be single in these things, Lord God, but be a couple. Help us not to be individual, Lord God. But be a unit as it relates to our finances, Lord God. And come up with an approach that is acceptable to both parties, Lord Jesus. Father, we know that 70% of people have this conflict in this area. So it must be an area that all of us struggle with. So Lord, just strengthen us, Lord Jesus. Give us the, 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 the desire, Lord God, to be better at managing our finances, Lord God. So that we can have, that our families, Lord God, can be less stressful Less arguments, Lord Jesus. Cut all the arguments in the name of Jesus. Father, we come against it even now. The spirit of division in the name of Jesus. We come against that spirit in the name of Jesus. And we pray for unity in the name of Jesus. Father, we pray for our singles, Lord God, who themselves struggle with money matters, Lord God. As they struggle as they, as they prepare themselves, Lord Jesus prepare themselves for that one who will come again at some point. Father, teach them, even knowing their singleness, Lord God, how to be good, good stewards of what you've given them. Good stewards of how you've blessed them so far, Lord God, with your careers and their earnings, Lord God. Help them to be good stewards, Lord God, of it, Lord Jesus. Father, bless them, Lord Jesus. Bless them as they give to you, Lord Jesus. Father, you know the desires of their heart, Lord God. Some of them might want to spouse a boyfriend a girlfriend. Father, I pray you bless them, Lord Jesus. Some of them want want to be the last one in their family, Lord Jesus, to ever grow up in a, p- a poor home. Father, we pray you bless them, Lord God. Give them ideas, Lord God, of how to create new streams of income. New, 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 new ways of how to create wealth for themselves, Lord Jesus. Father, we pray blessings over them, Lord Jesus, in their singleness, Lord God. And we pray blessings over all of us here, Lord Jesus. Father, we pray that the Spirit of the Lord, Lord God, would pour upon us, Lord God, not only to speak in tongues, Lord oh God, but also to be blessings to other people, Lord Jesus. Blessings to others, Lord God, and so that we can experience the blessings that you speak about in your word. Because you said, Lord, it is better to give than to receive. Father, give us a heart of giving, Lord Jesus. Father, stir up that in us, Lord God. It's not only a gift, it's a command from us, from you, Lord God, that we need to give, Lord God. Give, us, give up ourselves to you, Lord Jesus. More importantly, Lord, we pray that we will no longer fall for the trouble of the enemy, Lord God, and eat our tithe. Father, we confess our sins to you, Lord God, because we have sinned in that area so many times, Lord Jesus. Father, I have done it so many times, and I'm sure people here have done it so many times. We have sinned, Lord God. So, Lord, we pray you forgive us, Lord Jesus. Father, sin, Lord God. Father, for stealing our own blessings. Father, you have, you have admonished us. You have commanded us, Lord God, to test me in this. Father, we are going to take 2012 to be the year, Lord God, where we make a concerted effort to honor your word, Lord Jesus. And we know that in return, Lord God, you will open the floodgates of heaven. As you have said in your word, Lord God, and pour us with a blessing that we will not have room enough to contain. Father, we call upon that blessing even now. And we pray that this year, Is a year that we will experience you like never before. Like never before, Lord God. And we will walk blessed. Father, we just thank you. We love you, Lord. Wrap us in your arms, Lord, as you said earlier. As we go through this process, it's not easy. But Lord, we're going to take the step. Father, we thank you. We bless you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's give him praise. Amen. Hallelujah.